Hey everyone, welcome back to another season of Data Driven Health Radio. I'm your host, Dave Korsunsky. On this show, we dive deep into how you can use data to measure, manage, and optimize your health with the latest science and technology. This show is brought to you by Heads Up, which is our web and mobile app designed for individuals and healthcare professionals who need a precise way to measure and manage health data. Check us out at headsuphealth.com. If you've got comments, questions, or feedback on this show, shoot us an email, support at headsuphealth.com. We'd love to hear from you. And with that said, let's get into our next exciting episode. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to Data-Driven Health Radio. I'm your host, Dave Korsunsky. And my special guest today is a woman who's become a very near and dear friend of mine, Natalie Needham. And uh, Natalie is a holistic nutritionist and health coach with some very deep expertise in peptide therapy. She's been working with peptide compounds for over four years, and she has a number of resources out there in terms of her community, the way she educates, the way she coaches, helping people develop a holistic program around health with peptides as one of her areas of expertise. And Natalie, I know we've been trying to do this for a long time. We seem to see each other at all the same conferences, and uh, <laughs> we we party pretty hard sometimes, and we have a ton of fun. Like but you party hard, yes. <laughs> you were in the night. I usually go to Las bed. <laughs> I have witnesses. Okay, so uh, <laughs> I was there. I was there. <laughs> you know, we we have a lot of the same friends in the health and wellness scene, and and it's been really great seeing you and getting to know you. And and now we have the opportunity for you to share your expertise. So with gratitude, I want to welcome you here to the show. Well, with gratitude, thank you for welcoming me to the show and for having me here. It's a total honor and a pleasure to be here and just always amazing to see you. So uh, before we dive in, Natalie, tell us a little bit about your background. I know you're focused in longevity and health optimization, but for the listeners, if you can give us an overview on the work you're doing in the world today. Yeah, thank you. So a lot of what I'm doing these days is kind of like you, we're trying to share as much information and dig up and curate as much of the information as we can about what's out there. Like we're in a space that is growing by the minute, it's changing and evolving. And so Mm -hmm. one of the ways that I found is the best way to do it is through a podcast. So I host the Biohacking Superhuman Performance Podcast. And then I have a couple of communities Like you mentioned, like there's a Facebook community, which is the Optimizing Superhuman Performance Community, which is a really interesting space because it's, I mean, it's exploded. It's almost 20,000 people now. And in there, you get this collection of health seekers and practitioners and physicians all. It's this really interesting space where everybody's learning and grooving together, right? And then beyond that, I've got that community on, on Mighty Networks where I have a smaller group of people that just needed to get the heck off of Facebook. We do a lot more in-person stuff there. So it's still busy and active, but not the same. It's not the same thing as the Facebook group, which is kind of like this crazy, wild and woolly thing. And finally, for the last couple of years, I've been hosting women's retreats, these longevity and resilience retreats in the Dominican Republic with someone who I think you know, uh, Dasha yes. Maximov. Yeah. And uh-huh. yeah, so she focuses on the resilience. I focus on the longevity, which of course you can't have one without the other. And those are really fun too. And we have our next one coming up November 1st. Nothing for the fellas. Come on. 
Not yet. I'm working on it. I'm working on it. Actually, you'll see. There's something coming. <laughs> All right. I like it. Longevity, health optimization down there in South America, some beautiful weather, you know, some spirituality, throw some plant medicines in there and uh, let's get it. Sounds fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, we're not doing the plant medicine stuff yet. I mean, there is a guy actually in that community who works with Combo. I haven't it's tried combo, that right? one. Yeah. That's, that's one of the few I haven't tried at this stage in the game. Yeah, it's more, I th- the way I see it, it's a little bit more of a purge. It's a bit yeah. more physiological than, detox. Sp- I mean, it's a spiritual, yeah. Ex- yeah, it's a big detox and a reset. So if people, while they're down there, want to do that kind of thing, definitely we can connect them to the right people. But in our world, we're, you know, it's a five-day immersion, if you will, into this whole space of health optimization, but at the same time, taking time to be out in nature, getting out at sunrise, oh, doing yoga, so going, you know, hiking to waterfalls, that kind of stuff. So kind of weave it all together. Well, between yourself and Dasha, I'm sure there will be an incredible experience curated. And you two are both extremely knowledgeable. So for the ladies listening to the show, we'll provide information at the end if you're interested in getting in touch with Natalie for the retreat. It sounds divine. Natalie, I really want to pick your brain and your expertise on peptides, specifically some of the bioregulators. But before I do that, you just kind of sparked us something in my head when we were talking about combo. And I was talking to a friend about this. And actually, that is a peptide-based compound. So I, I actually did a Google search after someone told me that. And I said, what peptides are in combo? And there was a whole bunch of them I'd never heard of before. They're just I think still very, very esoteric and less researched or less understood. But nonetheless, that whole detoxification project with Combo is peptide-driven in nature. Is that correct? Yeah. It's like Mother Nature's peptides. Well, and it's a peptide cocktail, right? Mm -hmm. Like it's, Combo's really interesting. I mean, so it's it's a poison from a frog. Am I correct about that? It's Uh a frog toxin? Yeah. A toad? And so... It's a complex, I think it's a whole complex of peptides and I'm not sure that they've all been isolated, but you know, a good way to start this is like, what's a peptide, right? So a peptide is a small protein. Usually it's 50 amino acids or less and Mm -hmm. it's a signaling molecule. So it initiates signaling and cellular cascades in the body. And one of the things I've heard about combo that's really interesting is people come out of it and it's almost like, for many people, it's almost like an immune system reset. That's what I've heard. Um, And there are definitely in the bioregulator world and even in the peptide world, but certainly in the bioregulator world, we have bioregulators that are very, very specific to the immune system. Now, they don't cause you to purge from every orifice in your body like combo does. (laughs) So it's It's a little more gentle, if you will. It's a brute force approach. Yeah. Yeah. Combo is a bit of a brute force. I've actually not done combo myself. Um, And the reason for that is because I'm aware that I have a fairly significant gallstone that I've, Mm -hmm. you know, has become my companion, let's say over the last 20 years. And in the presence of a gallstone, one needs to be cautious about causing massive contractions of the gallbladder. So given that I'm fairly attached to my gallbladder and have no intention of getting rid of it anytime soon, combo is fantastic for a lot of people. And it's not always just like everything else. There's no one thing that's perfect for everybody. So it's not been my path, at least until now. And for same, now. Yeah, same here. I haven't gone there yet. It's on my list and I'll get there. I've had incredible experience with other plant medicines. Again, that's 
I'm not taking a position on it one way or the other for anybody listening. Mm -hmm. I'm just saying that my experiences have been extremely positive. I don't have any um, underlying conditions that I would need to be concerned with. And I've found those to be a, a really important part of my journey and they will continue to be. I just thought it was interesting. I, I didn't even know what peptides were a couple of years ago and, and to just now associate them with this incredibly powerful plant medicine. I started to understand how it actually worked. It's like, okay, can yeah. I can rationalize yeah. that these are signaling molecules. And your analogy of a signaling molecule for a peptide is super helpful. We've had a couple of the last episodes of this show specifically talking about peptides and the beauty of a signaling molecule. And I'm going to ask questions as a lay person, so you can jump in and, and correct me here. I'm a software geek, so I can speak to like building the software at Heads Up to help people measure that the peptides are working. But we need the big yeah. brains like you to come in with the medical expertise to um, correct me here. But a signaling molecule for me says I can take this amino acid and it's a naturally occurring amino acid in my body. And I can take said amino acid, but I can use it to signal my body to do very specific things related to a health outcome. So I'll use the example of growth hormone because that's I'm taking a couple of the peptides for growth hormone. And the way it was explained to me is you can either take the peptide and take it in a quantity medically supervised where it will cause my body to make its own endogenous growth hormone. Mm -hmm. And my body will determine how much and what variation, there's There's even different variations of growth hormone produced by the pituitary gland. So the body gets to decide how much of it to make. I may not be using the right term, but which variation of it to secrete out of the pituitary gland. So it, it's actually causing your body to kind of do its own thing, as opposed to taking something externally where it's not being produced in the body. There's less control, for example, of, of how much is made and when and when it's pulsed. So I guess what I'm saying is that we're using these signaling molecules to initiate different functions in the body. So that's kind of yeah. like my layman's understanding of like what the peptides are doing. It's pretty good. I mean, the, the only thing I would add is a peptide by definition is a string. It's a series of amino acids, right? Mm -hmm. So it's not one amino acid. It's a bunch of them. And yep. they are, as you say, fragments of naturally occurring proteins in the body. Yep. I wasn't aware that there were different variants of growth hormone that were produced by the pituitary gland, but I'm always learning something new because, I mean, we all are. I also want to yeah. say I'm not a medical doctor. So I think that's important for people to know. Like, I'm not a doctor. I'm more on your citizen scientist kind of health coach, nutritionist kind of path. But definitely exogenous growth hormone. So growth hormone introduced, synthetic growth hormone introduced into the body basically imposes on the body the presence of growth hormone. And what yep. that does is the body with growth hormone works through a negative feedback loop. And so it could suppress over time, overused, it can suppress the natural production of your own growth hormone, which can be problematic. And it can you know, you can overshoot the growth hormone levels that would be best for you. And we know that growth hormone can be anti-aging at the right levels, but it can also be very pro-aging if you have too much of it around. Um, yes. So, And that's why so lab testing nice thing, is also super important here with, with everything you're doing health-wise. Otherwise, yeah. it's very hard to know. Even something simple like taking a vitamin D supplement. Like uh, everyone's 100%. absorption levels are different. Every Like I can take 10,000 IUs a day 
and I'll still be at 50 nanograms, for example, and someone else may need a fraction as much. So you can't just make these standardized dosing recommendations for everybody in terms of how this works. So I think as we get rolling here, maybe we can also start to talk about some of the lab tests that give you indications on how well you're you're using these compounds, making sure you're at the right levels. Like for example, IGF-1 would be a good test yeah. to get an indication of where you're at with growth hormone. So I'll see if I can pull up the research I did specifically on just the different types of excretions of growth hormone from the pituitary. Of just so I yeah, can... no, that's, that's really interesting. Yeah, I think one of the things we're going to talk about today is a subset of peptides called bioregulator yes. peptides that are, you know, they're quite, they're different and the same, right? So once again, these are naturally occurring proteins. The difference with the bioregulators is that to begin with, they're tiny. They're two to four amino acids long, whereas mm -hmm. with the peptide, the longer chain peptides that most people are more familiar with would be something like a BPC-157 that might have 19 amino acids or a thymosin beta-4 that would have 43 amino acids. So it's still under that 50 amino acid kind of cutoff. Yep. But when we get into the bioregulators, we're, we're looking in a world where you have peptides that are like literally two little tiny amino acids arranged in a very specific configuration or three or four. Um, and so powerful and, is that, that little signaling molecule, what it can do in the body. And we're going to get into that. Yeah, exactly. And one of the other things that distinguishes the bioregulators is that rather than working only on receptors, their superpower is really being able to get across the nuclear membrane and epigenetically trigger the production of proteins by DNA. So they act on the DNA to upregulate the production of proteins and influence genetic expression. So they are ultimately an epigenetic switch. So let's talk about the first one on the list. And I know we had a little debate about the pronunciation. So we'll just we'll just <laughs> see where we land on that. I've heard it yeah, pronounced yeah. as epitalon and epitalon. But when I was working with our near and dear friend, Katrine, that was the first one she said you should start with. And yeah. she's obviously done her own research. She's read all of the research from... The papers in, in Russia where these compounds were first isolated and used and have been you know, part of their, their mainstream medicine for a long time. But she said, before you really kind of start down the path, start with that one, because it's going to do a reset on your circadian rhythm and a number of other things related, I'm assuming, to um, the endocrine system and uh, the circadian rhythm. So could you help us understand just what that peptide is and, and what are its superpowers and, and how does it work? And then there was a couple others we were going to talk about as well. But what is that one and why would one start with that, that for example? Yeah. So, I mean, look, Katrine, brilliant. Also, ability to read Russian is invaluable <laughs> when you're doing research on bioregulator peptides, because as you said, that's where they come from. That's where 40 years of research resides. And a lot of that research has not been translated into English. I mean, people are feverishly at work on it, but definitely it's in the realm of Russian research and scientific development. And it's really impressive. So epitalon, which is the pineal gland bioregulator. So the pineal gland is a tiny little pine-shaped gland in the center of your brain, and it regulates your circadian rhythm it normalizes melatonin secretion and production. It activates an enzyme called telomerase, which mm -hmm. can help to lengthen or maintain the length of telomeres 
so that your DNA can replicate more off for longer with before those telomeres get too short. And the fourth one I'm forgetting, and it is the master endocrine regulator. So that's the pineal gland, essentially from a downstream effect, has a regulatory and balancing effect, if you will, on the endocrine system. Now, if you've got major hormonal imbalances, you're not just going to pop a couple of epitalon capsules or whatnot and watch everything magically fall into place. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) That's all I need. But it is a really, really powerful way to really influence these things from very far upstream. And this is why Katrine and people like Katrine would say, if you're going to do one, if you're only going to use one thing, this one has probably the largest global effect on the system. So the man who discovered and developed and basically ran and did a lot of the research on the bioregulators like Epitalon is a gentleman by the name of Dr. Vladimir Kavinson. And Dr. Kavinson did some really famous studies on elderly people, one of them using only Epitalon. And he administered Epitalon. He had, um, I think the first group of people were, I want to say they were 55 to 75 or 65 to 75 year olds and half the people got provitamins and the other half of the people were given epitalon. Now, the epitalon that they were given was in a form that is not readily available outside of Russia. It's actually called epithalamin. And mm-hmm. epithalamin is a preparation of an extract from actual pineal glands from, in that case, at that time, they were using pineal gland extract from young calves. Mm-hmm. And so for two years, both groups, one group got injection, intramuscular injections of epithalamin, and the other group got intramuscular injections of polyvitamins. Nobody knew what they were getting, but he revisited them after six years and then after 12 years and was able to show, if nothing else, that all-cause mortality was massively different between the two groups. The group that got the epitalon or the epithalamin had, I believe it was one-third or one third less all-cause mortality. But more importantly, they had better sleep. They had a better immune system. Their bone density was better. They had a better sense of well-being. Like their quality of life was improved over the other group. He then took it a step further and went after really old people. So 75 to 85 year olds. This was only a six-year study did the same thing, but now he had three groups. One group got the polyvitamins, one group got the epithalamin, and the second group got epithalamin and a second bioregulator called thymolin, which is the thymus gland, so the seat of immunity bioregulator. And in this case, that first group that got the polyvitamins, I believe 88% of them had passed away by the end of the six years. This by The second group that only got epitalon, I believe was around like a 44% mortality rate. And then the group that got the thymolin and the epithalamin, they were down at 33% all-cause mortality. So just those two bioregulators made a massive difference to these people's outcome. And so that yeah. once that kind of got out, and we can imagine, right? Like if you're sleeping better from the melatonin, but sure. not only that, we now know that melatonin's not just for sleep. Like it's yeah. it's a massive anti-cancer hormone. It's an antioxidant. Like it's multifactorial what melatonin will do for people. So if we can normalize that, 
and we can normalize circadian rhythm and we can help to bring some better balance to the endocrine system and we can keep telomeres longer. And ultimately, you can start to see how that hits the longevity needle. Exactly. And health span. Exactly. And the thymus gland being that seat of immunity, things start to really line up very differently. Yeah, I um, recently had a consultation for one of my family members, and it was with a very prominent longevity clinic. And they did the full intake and reviewed all of his medical history and, and all of this type of thing. And completely unrelated to what I had been told, I didn't even mention it, in fact, and it was the same recommendation, is that I start everyone with a cycle of this before we get into any of the stuff related to immune function or uh, inflammation. You know, there was a whole protocol that had been laid out. And again, this was the starting point from one of the doctors I have a tremendous amount of respect for as well, MD, who has now switched over and is doing cellular medicine. So there seems to be an agreement from two separate well-respected professionals that I've interacted with where this is the starting point. So it's interesting that, that that thread is out there and it seems to be just something that both have said, start your journey here, basically. And well, it's easy, right? And it's innocuous, right? Like there's no contraindications. There's no interactions with medications. So you don't have to get people to stop taking their medications. It plays nicely with all the other kids in the sandbox. (laughs) And I've seen it now available as a, um, a capsule, like as a pill. I had always done it subcutaneous, but I've now started to see that you can get it in pill format. Obviously, that's a different mechanism of absorption in the body. It's going through the digestive system now, which has its own set of implications, especially if that is not functioning so great. But I've started to see it now available in other formats besides subcutaneous. So it's always been available both. So here's oh, okay. the, here's the, I just recently here's discovered what it. can be. Yeah, so here's what can be a bit confusing about the bioregulators. Each bioregulator has at least two, if not three forms. So the first form is that what I was talking about, the epithalamin or thymolin. These are actual animal extracts that have been prepared for intramuscular injection. Those are not available at Sadarasha, and they are probably the most potent. The second one, which is what you're talking about, and the trademark name on that would be endolutin in the case mm-hmm. of papitalon. So this is the other thing. They all have multiple names. Endolutin is the capsules. And that is also animal extract. Mm-hmm. And it's been put into capsules. So those can be taken orally. The interesting thing is that the body essentially recognizes, according to Kevinson's research, the body recognizes that four amino acid chain And it has to do with the cleavage sites. So it has to do with what the terminal ends are on either side of those four amino acids that essentially protects them from further digestion and breakdown. The third form, which is epitalon or epitalon, depending on your pronunciation, this is the synthetic extract. So this is the synthetic. What's happened there is they've isolated that two, three, or four amino acid chain, and it's been resynthesized in a lab. And that preparation can now, and actually there's more than just three, now that preparation can be reintroduced into the body either by subcutaneous injection or it's now widely available or much more widely available as a sublingual spray. Nice. Yeah, which is again the spray. And there's now a new other form 
called Epitide. And Epitide is much more expensive than your capsules or your synthetics because although it is essentially synthetic, it is said to be as close to epithalamin as you can get. And it's an oral little tablet that you just let dissolve in your mouth. Gotcha. So we've got many, many different ways of accessing the pineal gland peptide. And to make things even more confusing, there's another peptide called pinealon, which is also a bioregulator, but that is the central nervous system kind of brain bioregulator. But you know, they called it pinealon. <laughs> it's just, just a mess with people's heads, I guess. Well, I was introduced to it. I was introduced to the synthetic version and I was introduced yeah. to it as a subcutaneous injection. And I was introduced to it as a 10-day protocol. And I have to go back and look at my notes. I think it was one milligram or 10 milligrams a day for 10 days. I forget the exact protocol I started on off the top of my head. Probably one. I mean, for the longest time, people were running around saying that it's 10 milligrams for 10 days to get 100 milligrams. That sounds about right. That 10 milligram. Yeah. Yeah. That 10 milligram dosage actually is not coming from the source. The, what the source was using 10 milligrams a day of was the epithalamin, the actual extract. The synthetic, because it's isolated and purified, usually like 100 micrograms, which is a tenth of a milligram, is what you would use kind of just to keep the wheels on them, just as a maintenance dose. Whereas mm-hmm. if you're trying to move the needle and really help someone with circadian cycle and other types of things, you might go to 500 micrograms or one milligram. I mean, I've seen lots of people use 10 milligrams and it's not like, as far as we know so far, there have been no negative effects. And the interesting thing about that for the bioregulators is one of the hallmarks of the bioregulators is that they are modulatory. So this is interesting. They will not push the body into overdrive, nor will they suppress. So the best example for that is the thyroid bioregulator, which either a person with hyperthyroid or hypothyroid both of those populations can use the thyroid bioregulator because it'll seek to normalize the function. Gotcha. That makes sense. There's a word for that that's on the tip of my tongue. It's um, where the well, body can just kind modulation. of self... It's like... A, yeah. It's adaptogen. So you could call adaptogen. it an adaptogen. Adaptogen. That's yeah. the word I was looking for. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Okay. That makes sense. Okay. So there's the first one we talked about, which is the um, epitalon. And there's different protocols to get access to it. How... Maybe you can give us a couple examples, Natalie, of first of all, how someone with general health and wellness would do this. Like, for instance, I was suggested you know, twice a year, I would do a 10 day mm-hmm. protocol, and I'm still on that. Yeah. And that's just for me, for longevity, yeah. for health optimization. Are there different protocols you would use for different disease states or for specific outcomes? Like, are there protocols where it's taken for extended periods? Uh, weeks, months, years? What are some of the more common protocols out there? Yeah. I mean, look, there's a lot that's still being figured out on this stuff, but I would say as a person gets older, they would use it more frequently. Understood. If you have, you know, someone in their sixties or seventies might do a course of Epitalon maybe 10 days every quarter, let's say. Or if you have someone that's got pretty significant circadian dysregulation in addition to working on their sleep hygiene, in addition to doing all the other things we know we need to do to help reset circadian cycle, 
you might actually do a 30-day run of a pitalon. And you might repeat it 10 days a month for a few months just to try and help that person to kind of come back. If you spent 50, 60, 70 years getting out of balance, a 10-day cycle is not really going to get you back to where you need to be. So, you know, I think that in, in a case like that, you might use a more therapeutic higher dose and you might use it for longer and then do those 10 day pulses for a few months in a row just to kind of help the changes stick, if you will. Right. Another interesting thing that came out of the research on epitalon is that it has anti tumor properties. So there probably are now that's been mostly research in rodents. I don't think the research in humans is really out yet. But again, if we look at what it's doing, if it resets circadian rhythm, if it helps to normalize melatonin production, melatonin plays a massive role in the development and control of certain types of cancer. So it'll be interesting to see as more and more physicians get into this field and adopt and start using these bioregulators clinically. I think it's going to be really interesting to see the different applications and even if there's a development of medications or different forms of the bioregulators exactly. that come yeah. out that are more specific to specific applications. I just yeah, said applications we... three times in the same sentence. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my wheels are turning here. Here at Heads Up, we work with a lot of integrative oncologists and mm. they are dealing with individuals who may be on extremely powerful chemotherapy agents in conjunction with an integrative protocol, for example, or they may be working with people who are not using any of the standard of care approaches at all. And they're purely working on integrative approaches, nutritional therapy, uh, Dr. Nasha Winters and her whole uh, terrain philosophy. Are you seeing anything in the integrative oncology world that are starting to implement any of this stuff? I haven't yet. I haven't come across it. To be perfectly honest, I haven't really interacted with a lot of oncologists yet. I think, you know, oncologists are dealing with the most serious condition that we know that challenges. The mother of all ailments. You know, there's a book out there. The mother of all ailments. And yet, you know, talk to somebody with serious mast cell activation syndrome or histamine dysregulation, and they would say, yeah, I don't know. I'm feeling pretty crappy all the time. So there's lots else out there. But at the same time, I think I don't think the bioregulators by and large have yet found their way into that field yet. I haven't seen but it either. As more no, I think as more and more physicians are becoming familiar with them, it's gonna take one of these people to kind of hear about it or see a paper or exactly. see something that there's gonna yeah. they're gonna go, wait maybe there's some way we can work on this. The interesting thing about the bioregulators is what they're really doing is supporting the body. And sure. so we know that when people are dealing with cancer, so you need often, that support. Exactly. Like, you know, it's of an all out war. You're killing healthy cells and sick cells. And you're hoping that you get rid of the sick ones before you kill off too many of the healthy ones. Like, you know, that's or you die. unfortunate. It's <laughs> you go kind right of like a race brink. to the bottom. Yeah. Yeah. And th- so... That's what I'm thinking, like, could this fit in somehow? That's what I was thinking of, collateral damage. Thank you. So the challenge is, and definitely in the literature on bioregulators, there are bioregulators that are indicated for use after things like radiation treatment, for example, to help to restore the bone marrow and the immune system. And as a matter of fact, Katrine, as a Chernobyl survivor herself, 
they would have used bioregulators in Russia at that time to help support people. She uses them in her practice. She uses them herself. So they're a really fascinating tool to help the body to rebuild, restore, and regenerate. So then what we need to do around that is make sure that the body has what it needs and that we've removed as many of the obstacles as we can to that work happening. So by that, it's like addressing underlying infections or mycotoxins or you know nutritional deficiencies or bad lifestyle habits, like all of those things. The more of these things you dial in at the same time, the better your outcome and results is going to be. But There's some really interesting work in the world of reversing biological age or working on reversing biological age using bioregulators as a central modality in that. And people are having some really interesting results. That was the other thing I had jotted down here to ask you about. Just to close out on the oncology thing, my sister is an integrative oncologist. She trained under um, Dr. Nasha. And, um, you know, I've picked her brain around, is anything happening with peptides at all? in that community and um nothing's come up just yet so um i'm going to drag her to the uh peptide conferences next year and see if i can start like bringing that into her domain of expertise because they know so much about how to work with these hard cases if you now can introduce all of the bioregulators and the other cellular tools into their toolkit would there be anything that could come out of that but i haven't seen anything yet The other thing I jotted down here was you mentioned telomerase when you were explaining some of the um, effects of of using bioregulators. That is something that is measurable. And you you just mentioned Mm -hmm. the uh, example of biological age. And and these tests are kind of like all over the place now. They're becoming very popular. What's my chronological age versus biological age? And it seems gimmicky on the surface. But then when you dig into what they're actually looking at and measuring, you can start to see that, okay, I can see how this would have applicability because they're looking at what are the levels in this person for their age you know, versus someone who's 20 years younger? And what are the levels of this person yeah. relative to other people in the cohort? So then you're like, okay, I can I can get behind this. And, and there's different ways to measure biological age and telomere length is one of them. And there's tests out there. So have you seen any specific N of ones or other examples of how the results are improving with bioregulator use, for example. So there's a man in Georgia (laughs) who works closely with Dr. Kavinson. His name Mm -hmm. is Bill Lawrence, and I've actually had him on my podcast a couple of times. I'm recording with him in another week or two, actually. And he's conducting a large-scale kind of in-the-field trial, if you will, with a couple of hundred people now where they are using the bioregulators and tracking their biological age as measured by telomere length, as well as DNA methylation status. Yeah. So it's really interesting. You know, I think what's important. Which bioregulators? Sorry, just to cut you off there. All of them. Yeah. Every one of them. Yeah. Every one of them. So I'm in that study and we, I cycle through all the bioregulators several times over the course of a year. And which one specifically? Give us the list. Like literally there are 21 bioregulators with the exception of testes, with the exception of the ones for testes and for prostate. I kind of don't use those, but I use pretty much everything else. So to give you an idea, I'm not sure if I'll rattle off all the rest of them, but we have a bioregulator, like we said, for the pineal gland, for the brain, like a brain and central nervous system, 
We have the thymus gland. We have the thyroid gland. We have the adrenals. We have ovaries. We have blood vessels, the heart, the lungs, the bone marrow, muscles, cartilage, pancreas, stomach, liver. Oh, eyes. There's eyes. So you're cycling these as part of the uh, annual program. Makes yeah, a ton of so sense. I use the oral, the oral ones, the capsules, mm-hmm. and like I switch it up every ten days. So I'll take two to three Makes at a sense. time every yeah. ten days. So you know, one of the interesting things about the bioregulators is typically they're used in stacks. Mm-hmm. So one very powerful anti-aging or healthy aging stack, if you will, would be to create a trio with the epitalon, with the thymus bioregulator, and with the blood vessel bioregulator. Blood vessel really being the one that underpins pretty much everything happening in the body, right? What's the name of that one? So it could be the blood vessel bioregulator or Vesugen, V like Victor, E-S-U-G-E-N. Gotcha. Um, And that one can be purchased. Did I say heart? Also, there's heart. Um, (laughs) That's called cardiogen. Specific systems. You're targeting specific organs, specific systems, and then it's... You're working through it annually. And then at Heads Up, you know, our whole contribution to the community here is, is to have the measurement tools to know that mm-hmm. that this is actually working. And um, I can say I run all my labs every yeah. six to 12 months. I'm 47 years old now, and uh, I've been using a, a stack of peptides. Uh, let's call it a, a year, year and a half since I first did my first cycle with um, a pitalon. And I have not seen numbers that good in my data since I was probably 25 years old. And there's research coming out now. There was a great paper came out on GLP-1 showing how that's reducing risk for heart attack and stroke. And one of the things that really jumped off the page was me was just improvements in um, lipid panels were Mm -hmm. significant. So that's all the cardiovascular health markers. And I, I haven't done anything different. I'm very physically active. That hasn't changed. But I've started to see my labs get better than they've ever been. I've done some of these biological age tests, and I almost thought they were wrong because I'm coming in at like 20 years below, uh, sometimes more nice. than than where we're at. Yeah. And and I'm not doing anything differently per se. And, and if, for those who are listening to the show, I've been saying this for a while now. I've been saying that we now have the abilities to start getting younger <laughs> as we we get as we busy. get older it's crazy yeah. yeah and i'm not just saying that as conjecture i'm saying that as someone who's done this personally i, I do everything through direct experience and I, i'm mm-hmm. just sharing my own end of one and everything's measured i've run the blood work i do the dexa scans i do the biological age tests and and it's body composition that gets better it's skin health that gets better and there's also ways you can measure this with a lot of sensors on the market like is sleep quality getting better? Well, here's the most advanced sensor that we can get that I can yeah, exactly and like and, and that's a really easy thing if you're working with a practitioner and they can start to look at, for example, the, the quality of of sleep. Okay, I've I've done a, a few cycles now of the bioregulators and the epitalon. And can I start to see, for example, simple things like is the circadian rhythm getting normalized? Is bedtime wake time? more consistent is the quality of the rest mm-hmm. improving and and it, that all comes up you know these things are measuring the, i'm showing the aura ring on the screen by the way yeah. and and this is measuring every single heartbeat while you're sleeping 
It's measuring heart rate variability while you're sleeping. It's measuring, there's body a lot of variables. Yeah, body temperature. So you now have really objective ways to measure this in real time. Obviously, you have the lab tests. So I guess I'm kind of segueing here, Natalie, into ways that we can use these bioregulators and then measure their efficacy. So there's the obvious stuff you would run, the blood work that your physician is going to run. And you start to see these major systems improving. There's body composition metrics that will improve. You and I were just talking a little bit about some of the body recomposition peptides out there. So we can do things like in-body scans or DEXA scans. And when used properly, <laughs> uh, you start to mm-hmm. see that like, Which is hey, a big caveat. Yeah. A big caveat, but like when used properly, like all of the fat is coming out and it's like coming out from that organ fat, you know, like right in the heart, the deep inside the, the belly, that's like super hard to get access yeah. to. So in your communities, Natalie, how are you seeing people measuring? And are there any specific examples you'd want to share of measurement technology that you see that people are using and starting to get the biofeedback to tell them that this is working for themselves? What kind of biofeedback are you using? So it it depends on the person. Like I definitely, the biological age tests, the biological age tests are interesting and helpful. And you know, it's even interesting to see how, and we know that telomeres are much easier to influence either way. They can get mm-hmm. better or worse, much more fluidly. Whereas Smoking and drinking versus like getting a good healthy lifestyle or being super, or even being super chronically stressed, right? Yeah. yeah. But then the DNA methylation is a much harder nut to crack. It's mm-hmm. harder to move the needle. It takes like a solid year to 18 months to really see a difference there. Um, but there recently was a woman who posted in the Facebook group who'd been using the bioregulators for quite a while, and she'd been dealing with a lot of immune issues. And, you know, the bioregulators were like the final piece in her big journey, if you will. And she spontaneously posted this post that just said, I've changed nothing else. And this stuff has made all the difference in the world to me. Like my labs are getting better. I don't get sick as often. Like it was remarkable. So people are using all kinds of, like you said, the lab work. And I mean, the bioregulators are interesting because it's not like you're going to do a cycle of the heart and the blood vessel bioregulator. Oh, kidney. Kidney's the other one I forgot. It's not like you're going to do a cycle of blood vessel and heart and suddenly watch your blood pressure normalize, right? Mm -hmm. Having said that, over time, they may be helpful in helping the system to recover and rebuild from damage. Like what the blood vessel bioregulator does is it helps with renewal and restoring function and integrity to the endothelium of blood vessels right down to the microcirculation, right down to the smallest little blood vessels. And that speaks to getting nutrients to and waste products out of cells. And so what we're doing, we're not doing something for the body, but what we're doing is we're helping the body systems to be be better and more efficient. And 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 that in in theory is winding the clock back. That's like uh, regenerative medicine. It's anti-aging, but like really anti-aging. It's like, hey, can we get the function of blood vessels back to where they were 20 years ago? for example. And then the system as a whole gets better. And then the lab results as a whole get better. That's what I'm starting to then. And the 
biological age numbers start to get better. That's kind of like, I guess, you'd start to see the systems approach and start to see feel better, you're looking better, you're losing weight, the labs get better. So I guess you're saying it's helping the system perform at a level that is uh, perhaps optimal or getting it back to a level it was before there was damage introduced by lifestyle or diet or environment or toxins or mold or whatever the heck it is. So they're really working at that level to restore optimal function. But it bears mentioning and repeating that those toxins, the mold, all of those things, you need to work on that stuff at the same time so that we have this thing, well, what can I take? What can I add? What can I use? Where do I go? What do I buy? And I think the thing that we have to keep reminding ourselves is what do I need to remove? Mm -hmm. What do I need to get rid of? What are the behaviors I need to correct? Can I do the mycotoxin panel and the stool, like the microbiome panel and see what's going on under the hood there? Because, absolutely, you know, the bioregulators may be helpful even if you have imbalances, but oh my God, if you can man, if you can address those imbalances and then layer and at the same time, or then layer the bioregulators on top of that, now you have a system that's ready to regenerate and restore and isn't fighting a fight on this side and trying to respond to a stimulus on the other side. I think that's a really important point to mention is that when you're working with with someone who can provide the expertise and Mm -hmm. the coaching, because this is something that requires expertise. And if you can work with someone who can help you, first of all, run a baseline set of diagnostic tests and maybe even help you pinpoint where the source of some of that is. You gave a couple of great examples of panels that can be run to look for things like toxin exposures, heavy metals. Vibrant. Yeah. 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 I think there's great planes. There's a few tests out there that you can get a really good set of baseline tests. And then what I was really looking for is I was looking for someone who could help provide me the coaching and who could help provide me the protocol to do it properly. So when you're working with, with clients on your own, Natalie, you're helping them, I guess, with the assessment of where they want to start and then putting together protocols with them and then essentially um, coaching them through. So are, are, is that the type of work you're doing when, when you're working with private client is really giving them that level of coaching expertise along with it? Yeah. So, and I mean, I don't take on too many clients right now just because mm-hmm. I'm busy in a lot of different areas. And I, you know, if I'm going to take on clients, I want to be able to pay attention and sure. work with them. But yeah, like we definitely, we integrate all of it. And to your point, we have to look at everything. We can't just, I mean, you can, you could just throw a bunch of bioregulators at the system, but it's not cheap. It takes some time and some energy and and investment. So if you're going to use the bioregulators, then, you know, make sure that, you know, you're using a platform like Heads Up Health, like run the labs, like look at what's happening over time because we both know a set of labs in isolation is it's interesting but what you really want to see is the trends what you want to see is what's the evolution are you moving the needle in all the areas you need to move them in or are you not gaining ground or losing ground and that enables you to really go back and say okay what are we missing or what do we need to pay attention to now So um, that's a good segue here just to kind of bring things to a close on our discussion here, which was incredible. Thank you. But I'm sure people are listening and they're saying, I want access to information and resources. And that's exactly, I think, a lot of the community 
that you're building. So I know you mentioned at the beginning, but if you're listening to this and you're intrigued and you're working on your health and you want to start exploring what Natalie and I have been talking about here, Natalie has a number of places to get access to information, to get access to community. If you need someone who can help provide that level of of practitioner expertise, I'm sure that's in the network as well. And I think that's a huge part of the value that you're bringing here. So can you just tell us again, Natalie, how one would find your resources for more information? Yeah, thank you. So I think the easiest place to go is my website, which is natnidham.com. And everything's there. The BSP community is there. Like the link to join the BSP community is there. The link to the podcast is there. The Women's Longevity and Resilience Retreat tab is there. And then there's the Facebook group, which is Optimizing Superhuman Performance. And then on Instagram, everything shows up on Instagram for me is at Natalie Nidham. It's just my name. So that's... uh, that's, and that's you, I'm it. sure you've that's interviewed every expert in the field. So there is a wealth of knowledge well, available on the podcast. <laughs> I'm certain of that. Working on it. You know, I mean, there's a lot of people out there. And and the cool thing is that it's a growing list with every passing day, right? You know, there's that conference in Malibu. Every day. The uh, SSRP yeah. group. Are you going to that, by the way? And that's a community of medical right. professionals that are now doing the peptide therapy. And it's doubling every year the amount of practitioners and pharmacists and functional doctors and people that are just finding this and they're saying, wow, this is working. And, you know, I've been in this industry for a long time and and you see these waves coming. (laughs) And and I feel that this is the next really, really big and powerful wave that's going to have really, really significant impact for people. It has for me personally. That's why I've been bringing individuals like yourself on to share, but I think we're in the early innings of something that can be very, very mm-hmm. transformational. So I think uh, putting the 100%. information out there, giving people the resources, it's still a little bit of uh, the Wild West, right? Like we're still figuring a lot of this stuff out and there's different approaches to it. But I think the potential is there to do some really, really incredible things and to use these these peptides properly. So we're just honored to be a part of it. And to be able to provide the platform, we've got some really interesting research studies happening on Heads Up today that are looking at advanced markers that change with a lot of this stuff that one might never even expect. And some of that's going to be published soon. So we're happy to be a part of it and excited to be a part of it. I'll be sharing as much as we can here on the show with experts like Natalie. So I'm just really excited to see this whole industry continue to evolve and grow because what I've seen so far has been exciting and fun and awesome. Yeah, I agree. I think it's an exciting time. And I think that, you know, the platform that you offer is really what brings it home for people, right? It's anchoring that information enabling people to see what's happening, follow it. It's been the missing piece for a lot of people for a long time. So I think- Well, hopefully we can start to gather some of the data- Yeah. Thank you, Natalie. I mean, this is not going to be something necessarily that the pharma companies are going to run off and study, right? This is going to be something Mm -hmm. where we're going to have to gather data on our own. You know, we're working with groups that are doing really, really detailed studies on the GLP-1s and looking at all kinds of things that they would have never thought to look at. And like, what else is changing and why are these things changing? And like, they're finding things, they're running in-body scans and, and advanced lab tests, looking at all kinds of crazy things. So our hope is that we can 
provide the outcomes data and be able to run the, the research studies like the one you mentioned, the gentleman that's doing the biological age test, like collecting that type of information is helpful. It brings credibility. It brings validation. It brings trust. It brings safety. So um, we're just yeah. excited to help contribute the measurement platform. That being said, Natalie, when are we going to see each other at the next conference? Well, I don't know. Are you going to Dragonfly in no. Boulder? Otherwise, I think it'll be it'll have to be an A4M at A4M right. in Vegas. We set the bar pretty high last year. <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, the we medical can professionals can party. Year. Yeah, we're all on the peptides. We can party like we're 25. We're gonna have to eat our own dog That's food right. and show the world. We did pretty good last time. For those who uh, are familiar with the A4M conference, that's just an anti-aging longevity conference that happens every... And there's incredible education at A4M on a lot of the stuff we're talking here today. So if you're a practitioner and you're listening and you're looking to start educating in this world, A4M in December, there's actual curriculum you can go through to get certified and trained on everything Natalie and I are talking about. And a lot of the MDs and practitioners and and experts we work with, they go through a lot of the A4M training. So that's a really good resource for practitioners who are listening. And then also the SSRP conference that's happening in a few weeks. That's the SEEDS scientific, uh, I can't remember the full acronym. They, yeah, they're doing a lot of education and training for practitioners in this area as well. So it's starting. There's legitimate academic approved CE like training that's available out there now, and it's starting to become uh, more standardized and aware. And that's usually where Natalie and I see each other at conferences. And she drags me to the nightclub till five in the morning. So um. I do not. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you very much for that, Dave. <laughs> we closed it down. Okay. In Vegas, we had a yeah. bunch of medical professionals and we shut it down at 5 a.m. It was super fun. Yeah. Yeah, that's the bar for next year. Anyhow, Natalie, thank you. I'm grateful for your time and expertise. And uh, thank you for coming here and sharing with us today. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. Ciao. Thank you for listening to Data Driven Health Radio. 